welcome to the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I'm your host, Nina, a New York City lawyer and former lobbyist who left my career in New York to discover my own definition of success. To me, that looked like time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. So I started a contract template shop online for entrepreneurs, started earning passive income, and took my life on the road traveling the world. Today, I help online entrepreneurs learn the legal side of business, like how to negotiate contracts, how to network, and how to protect your brand, but I also help busy business owners with tips and tricks I've learned along the way from marketing and sales online, which has earned me four times more in passive income than I've ever earned at a New York City firm. Tune in each week for trainings and talks about living life on your own terms to make your success non-negotiable. Let's get into today's conversation. Hey, and welcome back to tonight's episode of the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I say it's tonight's episode because I know it doesn't really matter when you're listening to this. Um, It's nighttime for me. Um, It's Friday night, January, January, July 29th, I think is the date of this Friday. And I'm going to be doing something fun and new, and it's going to be a week recap of what happened on TikTok. This way, if you're like, hey, I don't really want to get on TikTok, you can hear all the tea. And then if you are on TikTok, maybe you'll just, it'll feel nice to have a refresher every week so that you don't need to spend as much time on the app as they want you to, because it's very addicting. So the reason why I'm not going to shut the F up about TikTok yet is because it's the place where the news is happening fast now. I remember back in the day when everyone was amazed that that place was Twitter, and I'm not saying that it's not, but there's a lot of instances where Twitter will get their news from what's happening on TikTok. Cue Bodega Bro story, right? So we're going to do a recap of this week's events on TikTok. I'm going to go through the top five and I'm going to make that list. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back with my list and a little bit of research. I had to go into my app and you know how that goes because I wanted to pull the creator's names and give them credit. Um, For those of you who are worried that this is going to be an episode filling your mind with senseless drama, do not fret because everything here is going to be related to business everything here is going to be related to money or controversy so let's go through the quick list and then we'll go through them one by one in a summary form number one the pink sauce drama i gotta talk about it especially for those of you who do know that i commented on the daily harvest drama about a month ago which i will cover up and uh or cover and sum up in just a few moments Number two, we're going to go over the celebrity jet drama, specifically the highest emitters and the most egregious polluters that are celebrities in our country. And I will go through that list in just a few minutes. Then we're going to talk about my media mogul series, shameless self plug. I got to throw myself in there as to important videos from TikTok this week, even though they're not, you know, like viral videos or anything. They're just my random rinky-dink videos that I think make good points. And number four and five kind of going into each other. We're going to piggyback off the celebrity jet drama to talk about how to leverage that data into making money, thanks to a creator called Quiverquant. And then similarly, 
but not exactly. We're going to talk about how to track politicians trading on the stock market to make money because they are corrupt as fuck. And if you look at what bills are getting passed and you look at what deals are going down with lobbyists and companies and politicians in D.C., you track the politicians' spending uh, in terms of investments that they file that have to be public record, and you can make a fuck ton of money even in this bear market. So let's get into it. Number one, the pink sauce drama. Where do I start with the pink sauce drama? I'm going to start by shutting my window because I just swear to God I saw a cockroach scurry across my floor, but, you know, I lived in New York for years, so not really new to that i can't i can't be bothered to freak out about it now you just kind of got to not think about it um it, it just is what it is it's just living under my sink and if it wants to belong there and disappear in the morning that's fine he can do that he's allowed so let's backtrack just a month to the daily harvest drama a couple of months ago different people were getting these daily harvest packages, which are meal delivery kits. And a few of them were getting this new offer called these like lentil leek crumble things. I don't really understand what that is, but they're made with lentils. Long story short, people were getting sick. And I'm not just talking about, you know, 24-hour food poisoning kind of sick. No, they were going to the hospital and they were having liver issues and in some cases, their gallbladders removed. So it was pretty serious. Eventually, it got traced back to the common denominator, which was Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is technically a tech company. They are a meal delivery service, but they're not a restaurant that's regulated, let's say, by the local governments, like, you know, in NYC, where they have those food grades, the A, B, C, D, E. And yeah, sure, we know that everybody gets inspected. They hand out candies. They hand out A's like candy. But if you see a B on one of those restaurants, you wonder why. And then you don't go in. And then if you see people go in, you know that they're not from here. And it's just like, why? What the fuck did you have to do to have a B? Because when I go into the bodegas and there's cats hanging out on the bread aisle, And they have an A and cockroaches on the floor everywhere because, like I said, it's New York. And they have an A. What the fuck do you have to do to have a B, right? So it's kind of helpful that we have these food establishments ranked from A to F, right? You know, give or take. It just gives you a little bit of peace of mind. I'm not saying regulations are the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying they're gospel. I'm not saying that oh, government, come help me and tell me how I should eat and what I should put in my body because I trust you with food and shit. No, I I don't have, like, undying trust in our bureaucracies, but I do wonder why you have a B, right? So there's things like that that make it important for you to get inspected which are the kind of regulations that matter, at least in my opinion, having your facilities and your kitchens inspected. You know, another trend that's been going on TikTok that gets an honorable mention here is the you can't eat in everybody's house. That kind of song, some guy made a song where you can't eat in everybody's house and it's showing clips of 
people doing weird shit like this girl cleaning her chicken with Clorox Clorox bleach that's how she cleans her chicken um yeah just like you know you can't eat in everybody's house right we know that you're not going to eat from everybody's thing that brings the potluck you're just not I tend to not really be so picky about that but I do understand because sometimes when you're baking you're licking the spoon or you're you're not washing your hands all the time in between things when you're like cooking for like just yourself right you know you're not you're not being super, super cautious. And sometimes if you're cooking for a group of people, maybe if you're not used to cooking for a group of people, you can be um, complacent or not really cognizant of that. Luckily for everybody, I don't really cook for people. I cook for my friends and family and myself. I'm not like cooking for potlucks. I'll make something where I don't have to really be like unhygienic about it and the other thing I do is I always bring things that I can prepare there so bacon wrap dates love bringing bacon wrap dates to a party it's pretty easy you just bring the bacon you bring the dates and I make it there because you have to serve it hot anyway or I don't know chocolate covered strawberries or pudding pie or something that's like I don't know cheese board right I'm not really uh I'm not out here being Another honorable mention, Wishbone Kitchen, the girl who's a private chef in the Hamptons and has a fantastic looking summer life story going on right now that I'm sure someone will buy the rights to and make a Netflix or an Amazon Prime series about one day soon. I'm not like her. I'm not making all these like weird confectionery items and whatever. Anyway, that's why you have regulations for people that that make stuff right so restaurants regulated by local health departments things that are in grocery stores those facilities are typically inspected by the fda now fda approved food item is not really a thing because they don't approve your packaged food item the usda approves you know certain um like produce and agricultural facilities right farms, whatever, cows, you know, that kind of stuff. But as far as like a package of food, that's not going to be approved by the FDA, but the facility will have to be bound by certain um, inspections and whatnot. What I had learned about Daily Harvest, and there's still some gray area because my research is a little, there's not too much out there. But what I had found out when everyone was getting sick from Daily Harvest is that they are not considered, obviously, a local restaurant or food establishment like the Bodegas or the Halal Bros Pita Pit in the city or whatever. And they're also not like grocery stores. So there's a disconnect and there's a gray area in terms of FDA oversight or proper oversight and inspection. What that means is, and couple this with the fact that during the pandemic, um, food delivery was at a high because people were ordering from Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates. They were ordering from Blue Apron, HelloFresh, um, Daily Harvest, all of that, right? And they had a press release about how they were going to meet and have a hearing to discuss what oversight and regulation of those kinds of food tech delivery things companies would look like. They, this just happened like in 
uh, autumn 2021. I don't remember if it was October, November, whatever. So obviously the law is a slow moving process. They're going to have the hearing. They're going to hear uh, comments from people. They're going to give these entities an opportunity to lobby them, which means that they got to get meetings on the books to discuss what practicalities might look like. Because when you just have politicians making laws and they're not hearing from the people who are impacted day to day, they might like be good on paper, but not in real life. Like, why are we going to have regulations for this stupid thing when nobody does this, when this thing should actually be regulated and that shouldn't, right? So sometimes lobbying is good, meaning you go and you discuss face-to-face with the people who are writing the law about what regulations actually should be needed and which ones are just like an egregious waste of time and maybe very, very, very cost-effective with very little um, benefit to the public or to the government And you go through that lobbying process, but it takes time to have those negotiations, to do your research, to provide press, you know, if if you're going to have to provide news reports or whatever to back you up, to generate that press, to bring it as proof, to get meetings on the books with these people, to go back and forth. This process takes a long time. So obviously we do not have these rules in place yet. And that is one of the flaws of the system that we have. So we don't have these rules in place yet. And then boom, Daily harvest shit goes down. People get sick. Everyone's freaking out about it. I made a video that went viral about this oversight and yada, yada, yada. It is what it is. Flash forward to now. The pink sauce lady. Chef Fee is her name. Chef Fi. This girl on TikTok. Woman, lady, person. This person on TikTok has this famous pink sauce. It kind of looks like Thousand Island dressing or like a pink ranch. It's just called the pink sauce. I guess it went viral and I guess she decides that she's going to package it up and sell it. A little bit of holes in the story here because some people are saying she has a facility. Others are saying that no, but she showed that video of her just making it in her kitchen with like no gloves, no hairnet. And she's just making a blender full of like oil with the garlic which people kept showing that screenshot because apparently there's something to do with stabilization because you guessed it, people got sick. And the whole issue is it wasn't created, arguably it wasn't created and sent in a way that was stabilized. So when you have certain ingredients like garlic with the oil and I think, I don't know if there was milk in it, But there was all these ingredients in there that people were commenting and saying, like, these need to be refrigerated when they are shipped. They need to be refrigerated, right? And they weren't. And people were getting sick. Supposedly, one person even went so far as to fake their own death for the pink sauce. Um, And it's all over TikTok. It's a mockery. I feel bad for her because, honestly, these things happen. Like, she's picking herself up from the bootstraps and trying to start this business. And it really is difficult to navigate the laws, especially when you don't need FDA to approve the product. But yeah, you do need to have um, your, lo- I don't know if it's your local health department or whoever else come in and in- inspect your facilities. And if you're not treating the, the, the storage process in a way that's making it a stabilized product that you can send out, then you're going to get people sick, right? And people were saying, oh, you can see there's no refrigerators in the screenshot of this video. And I just feel bad because I know it's expensive. I know it's difficult. And I know she's in over her head. But what I don't feel bad about is that she is very, she almost has like a Cardi B type of personality where 
no, nothing, like everything rolls off her back. She's just going to double down and be like, no, I'm a victim of clout. Like, that's what it is. Pink sauce is too popular and all you people are just trying to, you know, bring me down and I'm not going to go down, right? Like, this is my fucking business and, like, you are out here acting a fool, acting like clowns, faking your death. Like, you know, she's kind of doubling down. But people bring up really good points because in every single photo also, like, people are using it and the shades of pink are very different like one will be a very 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 pale pink the other one will be a hot pink almost magenta color sometimes it'll be really runny other times it'll be kind of thick right and then you have these videos that she's reposting of people trying it and no one's ever like "Mm," like she doesn't know how to pick her ugc her user generated content because some of these people that she's picking like they're they're eating it and then they look up in the sky and they're like you could tell with like the way that they're chewing it, they're really trying not to taste it, but also simultaneously trying to taste it to figure out what it tastes like to describe it to people. And they'll be like, it's not bad. You know, it's not that bad. I don't know what people are freaking out about. It's not bad. Hold on, I need to, I need to try it again. <laughs> and then they'll be putting it on again. Like, it's kind of crazy. I haven't seen one video, even the one she's posted of her, you know, friends from the neighborhood, like trying it. They'll be like all right you know no I don't know I don't I don't really know and it's just kind of a whole little subculture of TikTok this pink sauce drama because not only are people getting sick but the whole thing just looks like really bootleg you know the food labels apparently said there was a typo it said that there was 444 servings And she said it was supposed to be, like, 444, like, I don't know, grams or something, whatever. There's just a couple of issues with that, like, the ingredients not being listed. Apparently, there's beets and all this other stuff in there. Um, But, yeah, she's doubling down, and it made the national news today. And I think that they said uh, that she is now being investigated by the fda so we will see what unfolds there but that is what's going on in pink sauce world okay moving on to the next item the celebrity jet drama so i gotta pull up a report for this but long story short kylie jenner was caught i don't know if you could say caught people there's people on twitter that track celebrity jet private jet flights and kylie jenner like last week you know two weeks ago almost now had taken a 17 minute jet ride somewhere in la area and it's apparently not uncommon for people local to la to do that um to beat la traffic now this prompted a lot of controversy because People then were looking at the average emissions. So let's say someone like Kylie will use, let's say, like 7,000 tons of carbon, right, emitted. The average American emits like eight, okay? So someone had put up this list. People were up in arms. Hold on. I'm doing this on my phone. Am I still recording? Okay, yes. Someone was up in arms because 
And I'm on this newsletter by Sophie Ross. She's great. I'm on her Substack. I'm just doing the free version, but it's great. She'll send these uh, email newsletters once in a while. This one's called, it's been an interesting week for Kylie Jenner, apparently. She got quite the internet lashing. This is exactly from uh, Sophie's words from her newsletter. She got quite the interesting lash, lashing for posting herself with Travis Scott, which we all know why he's problematic, from Astroworld, in front of their private jets with the caption, mine or yours, while simultaneously getting exposed for hopping on hers as she flew as short as 17 minutes by Twitter tracking account at Celeb Jets. So, she's not even in the top 10. This writer, Sophie, says, as it turns out, she's not even in the top 10 of the biggest celebrity climate criminals. And here is the full list. Number one worst offender, Taylor Swift. Number two, Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. Number three, Jay-Z. Number four, A-Rod. Number five, Blake Shelton. Number six, Steven Spielberg. Number seven, Kim Kardashian. Number eight, Mark Wahlberg. Number nine, Oprah. Number 10, Travis Scott. And that comes from Twitter user at YSlonika. Okay, so when she is flying, Taylor Swift, she's racked up 170 flights on her private jet since January and at least 8,293 tons of carbon emissions. For comparison's sake, the average carbon footprint per person is around seven, just seven single digit tons per year. Okay. So people are up in arms. They're making jokes about everything, but will the Kardashians ever be canceled? I don't know. They kind of live by the motto, no press is bad press. But I do think that in today's day and age, um, especially with younger audiences like Gen Z and Gen Alpha, you really need to have value-based brands. You really need to have substance. If we look at the Kardashians as a family, like as different social media platforms, Kylie is kind of Instagram. You know, she peaked, she had her purpose and, you know, now she's kind of on her way out, right? She's not really being relatable with her fans. She hasn't told her fans. This is something else I found through TikTok. Because then once you get on like the Kylie Jenner, once you stop for one Kylie Jenner video, then all of them come. I'm not like Kardashian's person. I've only watched their first, the first season that I've watched of their show was this last season on Hulu, which I watched last month. I've been doing my own research into their uh, businesses and their family because I find it fascinating and I will come out with some kind of content about that soon and the church that Chris Kardashian founded as a tax haven scam okay but I think that Kylie is not really that good at being relatable with her fans this is just for me as like an outs- outsider third-party perspective Apparently, she hasn't even told people the name of her baby that she's had. You know, she's taking all these jets. She's kind of rubbing it in her face, rubbing it in everyone's face by saying like, oh, which jet should we fly? Mine or yours, Travis? People are already pissed at Travis because he incited a, a mob rampage at his show at Astro World last year and people died. Um, it's just very... Mm, very out of touch, right? And I just think that in today's day and age, you cannot just 
flaunt things for the sake of flaunting them. There's a niche market of people who want that lack of substance, but a lot of people really want substance and they want to feel like they know you. They want to feel like you are relatable. And in this economy especially, that kind of flaunting and that kind of blatant disregard for something as serious as climate change and, you know, jets are right now, you know, known as being one of the worst emitters, if not the worst contributors to carbon dioxide pollution and, you know, all of that with climate change. Um, It's just, yeah, not really good luck, Kylie. And I, I think the worst part of it all is that there's never any kind of uh, correction or change or even acknowledgement. I've never seen any Kardashian ever issue any kind of apology. They truly live by the old school mentality of all like all press is good press, no press is bad press, and that's how they even got their rise to fame. You know, Kim copied the Paris Hilton model when she became friends with her through being an assistant for Paris for many years, or I don't know, many years might be an exaggeration, I don't know, but way back when Paris was at the height of her career with The Simple Life and this and that, Kim was her assistant. Kim started out, her first business was cleaning out closets for celebrities like Paris, and then she would sell their clothes on eBay, and then she became an assistant and then friends with Paris, and what they would do is they would call TMZ and let them know where they were going so that they would be photographed so that they can become chatter. They could could be chatter about them, right? And that's how they really, really elevated their image. This is not new. People like Spencer Pratt comes out and he talks on TikTok as well about this. And he went on the Call Her Daddy podcast and talked about this as well. Um... They, they used that model for Laguna Beach and the hills. And he would always call TMZ and let them know, oh, we're going to be here because that's how it is in Hollywood. Ironically, Spencer Pratt is best friends with what's, what's his face, Jenner, the guy from the hills. Brody? Brody? Who is who? Brody Jenner is Kylie and Kendall Jenner's brother at the time, Bruce Jenner's son, now Caitlyn, and Spencer Pratt was one of the earliest celebrities, reality stars around, you know, 2007, 2008, the same time as Paris Hilton and paving the way for Kim Kardashian. So that's the method that they would use. They would call TMZ and TMZ pays you for photographs, by the way. So of course, if they tip off photographers Photographers are going to submit them to TMZ or People Magazine or whatever because they pay for photographs. So if you tip off the photographers, the photographers get the photos. The photos get paid, right? I know because I had a cousin who used to work in like the Chrysler building or the Empire State building. I was a young kid and I remember hearing her talk about how like when she'd hear her and her office staff would like hear that people were coming to... uh, her building in the city they would all run down to the lobby and try to get pictures on their like old digital cameras or smartphones or whatever 
um, because you get paid. I think at the time it was like 75 bucks or something, depending on who the person was. But yeah, so that is their whole MO, which isn't really bad because in a way I do respect the hustle and I do think it works and I, I get it. But I just don't think that the younger generations relate to that anymore because they don't, nobody has to pay for press these days with social media being so prevalent, which ironically became as popular as it is today because of the people like the Spencer Pratt's of the world, the Brody Jenner's, the Kylie Jenner's, the Kardashians, Paris Hilton, right? Okay. So little case study in that. Now, speaking of celebrity jets, because all of this was going on on TikTok, number three topic, and I don't know if these are in order as before, but the number three topic is how you can track jet and flight data to make money. So I follow this page called QuiverQuant, and they have a algorithm that basically tracks politicians' trades, which we'll get to in the next point, as well as celebrity, or not celebrity, but jet data, because flights, flight information is public data, right? That's how Celeb Jets is able to track stuff. And you can also track other people's private jets, like people like, oh, I don't know, Warren Buffett and other famous CEOs. So this QuiverQuant is an algorithm. It's a site. It's free. You can go look at it. But they basically, and I have to read for this one. I have to read what I wrote. They basically see where companies are flying to make deals. And then they use that data to copy trade. Copy trade is when you just look at what public records are doing. You know, you're copying what politicians are doing, or you're making wise investments based off of um, well-researched guesses, and that's kind of what this is. So apparently a few years ago, Occidental Petroleum flew to Omaha, Nebraska to meet with Warren Buffett. I guess it's a huge, obviously, gas oil company. Three days later, they announced a deal, and it obviously made that stock blow the fuck up right so things like that if you're savvy enough and smart enough I'm like not I'm just at the point where I'm starting to try to get creative about it and maybe pay attention to that follow QuiverQuant or check out their website because they have algorithms that kind of promote on in an organized fashion all this different data and you can see things like that real time so great way for you to feel, you know, like if you can't beat them, join them and make some good trades if you feel comfortable doing that. Obviously, this is not financial advice. This is not securities advice. Like this is not legal advice. But what I will say is that there are algorithms apparently out there that can help you. So now with that disclaimer, let's get on to point number four. What else has been popping off of my TikTok algorithm this week? Nancy Pelosi and politician trading data. So there is a creator called Chris Irisap, and he talks a lot about Nancy Pelosi's trades and copy trading. So he also has a program kind of like Quiverquaint, but different where I think it's called Irisap, where you can cop, where you can see all this data from what a few 
very successful famous people are doing it's in beta still and then you can copy trades so a few of the people he has that you can track are michael burry which is the guy that predicted the 2008 recession and uh you know the big short guy nancy pelosi who we'll talk about um warren buffett and then some other guy who's a contrarian trader so for over a year now this creator chris iris app (laughs) i can't i can't read my own handwriting has been talking about nancy pelosi and for those of you who don't know like she is not just some politician with a bleeding heart her net worth is 135 million dollars 135 million dollars her salary is 210,000 so that's what she gets paid for being you know the speaker of the house whatever but she is a multi multi millionaire okay and one of the reasons why politicians with that kind of power are so quick to point out that they, oh, I'm independently wealthy, we don't take a big salary, blah, 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 is because what they do get access to, the real currency being exchanged in Washington, is the information. And you're getting, okay, the government, specifically Congress, they have what's called the power of the purse. They control all of the money. They control the bank account, right? All of our taxes. Yeah, we pay into the IRS. But who's in charge of deciding where that money goes? Congress, the power of the purse, okay? Anything to do with international commerce, the Commerce Clause for all my law school buddies, that's why Congress gets control over it, okay? So they control a lot of shit. Because everyone knows that the Commerce Clause, like, slowly claws over everything. The feds are just all up in everybody's business. So when they are going through their day-to-day business, what happens? Lobbyists come knock on their door. There's a couple of things that people could lobby for. I've talked on my podcast before about, like, random stuff that you'll do as a lobbyist. Like, oh, call the Department of Health and help them inspect your little bodega so that you can get that A-plus grade because for whatever misunderstanding, they gave you a B because as they came to inspect, the cat happened to be with a cockroach in its mouth, right? So they gave you a B. Maybe they'd call a lobbyist and the lobbyist would, you know, come in and help them navigate the bureaucracy and get them that new inspection at an expedited pace so that they can turn that B from an A in a week rather than like, you know, I don't know, a month or whatever the fuck you got to wait for it, right? That's just an off, off the cuff example. So lobbyists, we do stuff like that all the time. But we also do traditional lobbying, which is meeting with politicians and elected officials to discuss two things. One, legislation. Or two, money. So, hey, can we allocate XYZ to the budget? We have all these nonprofits that we've been working with, aka backed by our billionaire clients who own the companies that would benefit from this nonprofit existing. Can you, uh, like, look, all these nonprofits care about this and blah, 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 blah. So that's why you should allocate, I don't know, $200 billion to this thing, right? And 
you can do that via the budget. You can do that via grants. You can, you know, get government contracts, which are very lucrative. Or you can work with them to pass or block legislation that would give you some kind of advantage or some kind of benefit in a new field, like maybe tech. Or if you work in oil, maybe you want to get some kind of provisions or rules put into the big package like the Green New Deal, right? So there's so many things that you can do. The opportunities are truly endless if you know what you're doing. But the the issue with that system is obviously a lot of people don't know what the fuck they're doing and there's small businesses like you and me that aren't going to be lobbying. We're going to be like focused on surviving day to day. But the big like Fortune 500 companies, CEOs, conglomerates, they're all spending their money lobbying because you can get a huge ROI. If you spend 100 grand on lobbyists per year, you might save millions. You might get a grant worth millions. You might get, oh, I don't know, a 200 billion spending bill passed. So let's get into the Nancy Pelosi tea now that you have that background. Nancy Pelosi apparently, according to Chris Irisap, has always been involved with this company called NVIDIA. NVIDIA, they're some kind of computer company, like they work on chips or supercomputers or some, something like that, right? Something that I don't have any business knowing about. In 2021, she bought shares on uh, July 23rd, 21. And for, also, last thing to preface, and I've mentioned this in the last episode, when elected officials, specifically federal you know, officials like Congress members, trade in the stock market, they have to report it. So they're allowed to trade in the stock market, but they have to report it. And I think they get like up to 45 days or 30 days and um, they file it and it becomes a public record, right? So again, this guy, Chris, Quiverquant, they follow this, they track this data, and they report on it, and they copy trade. That's the whole premise here. So she bought stock in NVIDIA 72321, and news of some kind of agreement for the U.S. to purchase their supercomputer dropped on August 24th, 21. So she made the trade likely sometime between getting word on the street that this shit was about to go down. She knew that they were going to get some kind of government contract or whatnot, let's just say. She made the trade and then the news was public on 824. So what happens? She buys it before anyone else has the news. So the price is lower because no one knows that this is going to happen, right? They're not meeting with people. They're not hearing through the grapevine. And yes, we could talk about inside trader, insider trading another day, but because of just like the way that our government is, you know, reliably corrupt, I guess this is somehow not insider trading because I don't know specifics and I don't really know what the elements are right now. So I couldn't tell you why it's not insider trading, but it fucking sounds like insider trading to me. She bought it on 723.21. The news dropped 824.21. So obviously she made a profit within that month because then when the news dropped, the normal people who are hearing that news are going to be like, wow, it's probably a great thing to in- 
invest in because I saw this news article today on my newsletter. I'm a day trader and I saw that, wow, the U.S. government's going to get this contract with NVIDIA for supercomputers. Like, I better put my bottom dollar there because they're going to get this government contract. That means that they're backed by the government. The government's always going to pay their bill, right? Like, if you get a contract with the government, the government's going to pay you. You get a contract with one of these life coaches out there, I don't know if they're going to pay. We, we see that shit all the time. You get a contract from some stranger online, I see people that don't get paid all the time. The government, they're going to fucking pay you. You get that contract. So obviously, if they get that contract, you know that there's some value in there. You know that they're reliably going to get that money. Their value is going to increase. And then what happens when you get one government contract? You're likely to get the next if you don't fuck it up. You're, it's, you're, you're great. You know, Boeing, Grunman, all these companies, right? SpaceX, right? What else? All of them. And the government, one thing that they love to do is hire and contract out private companies specifically with tech and advancements and technology because they want to get around what's called the FOIA, FOIL, Freedom of Information Act. The Freedom of Information Act says that an everyday person, you or I, can essentially file a FOIA request and get information back from public records from that uh, um, bureau, right? So let's say you can do it on a local level, you do it on a federal level. So if I want to say, hey, show me Donald Trump's tax returns, let's say, like that's obviously a fucking whole another can of worms. Theoretically, you file a FOIA request, you say, hey, I want to see so-and-so's tax returns, they'll send it to you. They'll redact some information and they have some kind of laws that show as guidelines what they can and cannot redact. And you know that they're always trying to not give you that much information. So they're always black fucking bars all across everything. We do this all the time as lawyers. We do this all the time as lobbyists. It's how we get a lot of information. Investigative journalists, people know that this is free to do and it's free. And sometimes they give you the runaround and that's where lobbyists come into play. People used to hire us to do that too because they don't really want to give you the information. But for the right person and with the right kind of threat, I shouldn't really say threat. It's not a threat. It's not a threat. It's not a bribe, but it's like a wow, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, we'll go to the press. I can't believe you're withholding this information. We could sue you for not, you know, whatever. Anyway, FOIA requests. Where was I going with that? Oh, why they have private companies that they contract out to. So what happens if you file a FOIA request and it's a private company? Mm. I'm sorry. They're not subject to FOIA. So if you want to file FOIA requests for something SpaceX did for a government contract, you can't. Or there's like restrictions, right? You want to file a FOIA request for what NVIDIA is doing specifically, what kind of tech they're working on, yada, yada, yada. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not subject to FOIA. It would be as if like, okay, if the military is doing stuff that's obviously not classified, whatever, or... You can get documents from the FBI, the CIA, whatever. But you can't from private companies. So that's why government contracts are not going anywhere. And if you work in a business that might benefit from getting government contracts, look into it. A lot of constructors, contractors, uh, just look into it. Hire a lawyer or some kind of lobbyist to help you with getting... um, uh, government contracts. The first step is usually an RFP, request for proposals. 
they usually have in mind some candidates, but they still have to issue an RFP in order to make it public and get a bunch of proposals because if yours is like the same stuff and well under budget, you know, technically they should probably save the taxpayer dollars, but you know, because of lobbying and corruption, they probably have like a promise to give the government contract to someone else already, but it doesn't hurt to try because they do have to have some percentage of like actual work done and not just all corruption. So maybe you'll be in that small percentage of people who get it out of good merit, but you still need a lobbyist to go meet with them and introduce yourselves to. That was another thing we used to do. Anyway, okay, so government contracts not going anywhere. You can use them to track trades. Nancy Pelosi, that, that was her in 2021. 2022, the reason why she's in news again, five days after filing a trade report, she tripled her annual salary. So same stock, NVIDIA. She filed that little stupid filing that she has to do. Oh, yeah, I, I bought this much in NVIDIA, whatever. Remember how I said she makes $210,000 a year? <clears throat> From that one trade, five days later after she reported it, it grew by 14%, and so she earned $700,000, which is three times her yearly quote-unquote salary. So again, information is the real currency being exchanged in Washington, D.C. It crosses party lines. It knows no bounds. Okay? And you can use IRISAP, QuiverQuant to track this kind of data, make changes. Um, what else happened a couple of days later? So this was this week. She sold... 25k of shares that she bought a month ago and just a few days later they announced a 280 billion spending package which was voted in by senate and you guessed it involves nvidia yep okay so that's that the fifth thing i was gonna plug was my mini mogul series, my media mogul series. I've been chatting, kind of what I, who I've been chatting about now here. You know, the whole my whole Kardashian bullshit, my whole, um, you know, I want to talk more about Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, Spencer Pratt, how they got their start. They're kind of like case studies in their personal brands. I spoke a little bit about Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen this week. Big shout out to. The channel Deep Dive on YouTube and BJ Investigates and Jake Gaunce. They are so good at creating like investigative reports on YouTube. I'm in that kind of black hole on YouTube thanks to TikTok. Um, they had made a video where they dove into the world of Full House and Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and they tracked just their their whole career, right? how they got started, their family life, how their lawyer, Robert Thorne, built them like a billion-dollar empire by the time they turn 18, then kind of like their demise. They do more of like a case study in the pop culture. But one thing really stuck with me was like the fact that they were some of the first personal brands like that are 
like influencers in the modern time. So that's what I'm doing kind of more, no pun intended, deep dives on. But definitely check out their YouTube channel. Again, it's Deep Dive. They have one channel called Deep Dive, which is a collaboration between BJ Investigates and Jake Yancey. But then they both also have their own channels. So I'll be diving more into different stories like about the specific, um, like the personal brand issue of some of the people that they mentioned in that video, like um, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. They mentioned that the models before that in the deep dive video were Oprah and Martha Stewart. I want to do kind of like a um, case study on them. I love talking about and observing and witnessing Bethany Frankel do her thing from Real Housewives. Definitely want to look more into the Hills people as they're making a comeback with their Hills Rewind or whatever the fuck the new series is called. They were some of the first influencers, personal brand people. And really look at it as with Y2K, millennial fashion and style coming back and Gen Z kind of swaying the, the podium, podium pendulum back to like more simplicity. Um, I want to go back to the basics because that shit was before social media. It transcends time. Every night outside my house, you can hear a cat screaming. And one time someone told me that they scream like that because of like the shape of their reproductive organs. And it really hurts apparently. So there's a cat just getting you know what, in my alleyway outside my house every night. It makes me kind of feel sad. It's kind of like a metaphor for America women. But <laughs> I don't. I should not laugh about that. Um, anyway, I just meant like in light of Roe v. Wade and all that stuff. I didn't mean like in any other way. Um, context is key. So I will have more about that coming soon but I had to like shameless self-plug my own videos as top five otherwise it really wouldn't be top five so I hope you found this enjoyable um I could do more about this because I'm going to do like those deep dives that I talked about again no pun intended um on different like personal brands and business lessons gonna learn more about investing and stuff I hope and and food law I guess <laughs> because of the pink sauce drama and all that so I can definitely share more um, here because not everyone is going to waste their time on TikTok. I get it. So if you like this episode, let me know. I love hearing from you. Feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram at the lawyer and we can chat. So see you in the next episode. Please also remember to rate the podcast. I don't know. Even if you give it a one star, like whatever want to see some feedback out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and hope you have a lovely weekend and I'll see you next week.